Aloha, Iawans! Oh, we are recording this episode in the new year, actually. It's the first week of January, and the three of us are actually on a holiday break for a while. We were not recording, pero tuloy-tuloy pa rin yung episodes namin every week. But I'm curious, Jill and Red, how did you guys celebrate your pandemic Christmas and New Year? Oh, it was so different this year because we weren't able to have a party um, with my families in Vancouver. So we cannot like meet if you're not in the same household. So it's just, yeah, it's just me and Trevor, my boyfriend, who celebrated Christmas. Uh, but New Year, we actually left the country and we're in Mexico right now. Wow, Mexico Pampanga. Cabo, <laughs> Cabo, Mexico. Wow. Um, I had I had a quiet celebration with my family. So just me, my mom, my brother, my nieces. So we just had a simple uh, gathering at home for the Noche Buena and the Medianoche. But you know, it's all Medianoche is always, uh, is always fun because of the fireworks. So it's a bit more quiet this year, but the kids enjoyed it. Yeah. Really? Although yeah. it gets quieter and quieter eh, no, the past few years because mm. of the bands in the firecrackers and all that in, in the food. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Pero I suppose it's, it's less noisy. It's less noisy, pero maganda yung mga fireworks. Mm. So, hindi na masyadong maingay. It's not about the noise anymore. Mas yung ano na, presentation. Oh, mas dis- the display. Yeah. yeah. I actually couldn't relate doon sa mga country that are on lockdown. <laughs> kasi may mga nag-lockdown ulit during the Christmas season. Yeah. Most of Europe. Most of Europe and everything. Pero lalo na there's like a new strain, di ba? Sinasabi nila. There's like a new strain na mas, um, mas nakahawa and everything. Here kasi everything's kind of like normal. So, Christmas is fun, so we have like a huge spread of Noche Buena food and everything. Uh, the usual, mahirap kubusin or mabubusog kain. But for the New Year celebration, it's kind of like a hectic, busy schedule because I had to transfer to a new city. I think you all guys know this. So, I'm in Wellington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now. Wellington. I'm not in Auckland anymore. So, I'm in Wellington, the capital city of New Zealand. So, the past week, until now, we're still like doing all the. Yun, alam niya yung pagkakomplete ng stuff in the house, even the small. Yeah. yeah. So, so we still don't have our bed and everything. We're still waiting for the delivery and all that. And all our boxes from Auckland. So, yeah, it's been a busy new year, but we did have the countdown um, in, the, in the city center. It's not as big as in Auckland, but it's fine. So, yeah, well, I just wish that it will be a better year for the Filipino people, uh, regardless where you are in the world. And speaking of this pandemic that we have been talking about for the entire podcast, because our podcast was born during the pandemic, it is really inevitable that we invite health professionals in our show. So in these trying times of 2020, when coronavirus has struck the world at large, uh, we see how dedicatedly and selflessly the doctors all around have served the people at large and emerged as true heroes. So, you remember, guys, our very first guest, uh, Ronnie Reyes from Norway? Mm-hmm. So, he's a nurse and he migrated to Europe from the Philippines. Well, now we are fortunate to be joined by Filipino doctors practicing in North America. 
So it's funny that the common stereotype for Filipinos is that we are nurses. So, well, we can be doctors too. So thank you for joining us once more in our first episode in 2021 entitled What's Roasting? Filipino, Filipino Doctor, doctor Super Special. <laughs> this is Jill from Vancouver, Canada. Bienvenue, E-Hawaiians. Bon journey, bon nuit. Whenever you decide to listen to our show, I'm with my co-host. And this is Roas from the land of milk and honey, Wellington, New Zealand. Kiara Kota Katoa from out there, Roa, and you are with the Okay, so happy new year everyone. Just curious. And I mean curious questions for episode. Have you thought of becoming a doctor? Uh, I'll start. Never. Kasi takotaw sa nida, takotaw sa dugo. So never, never. Yeah, yes. me too. Ako no, yes, no. when I watched Grey's Anatomy. Oh, so, oh, diba ganun yung tendency mo? If you watch like um a certain show, parang gusto ko maging ganyan. Pero yeah, yun lang. Mm-hmm. Viet, so, don't watch Dexter kasi serial killer siya. <laughs> uh, no, hindi ko naman yung naisip nung pinanood ko yung ano, assassination of Gianni Versace. Ayaw. Uh, Ikaw ba RF? Nasagot mo ba? Yeah, never. Never. I don't never, know. Never, never. I, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mga no person kayo. Yeah. Well, guys, I am honored to introduce our special guest for today. He is a Vancouver physician born and raised in Canada, and he is also an uh, automotive enthusiast. As a doctor, he has worked in emergency medicine and family medicine, but his personal interest lies in plastic surgery and aesthetic medicine. He took additional electives in plastic surgery and dermatology, and now, Dr. Dubek decided to make aesthetic medicine a permanent part of his clinical practice. He is well recognized in the luxury car community. Did you get to ride one of his uh, Ferraris, Jill? Yes. I think I saw... <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Ehoians, friends, welcome to the show, Dr. JJ Dubek. Hey, I hope love JJ. Uh, hello, JJ. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Uh, what's up, all the Ehoians out there? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming welcoming me to your show. I mean, mm. it's wonderful that you guys have um, made this show, uh, birthed it basically out of, uh, during COVID. I think that's mm. ingenious. And it's also a really great way to connect with everyone, especially since we're all so isolated. Uh, it's, nice, it's a nice way to add an extra connection to our lives. So thank you for that, guys. Yeah, and we actually right. like to thank you for gracing our show as well. Um, it's really fun to connect with different with Filipinos from different backgrounds, different walks of life and everything. And this show has really made it possible for us. Nakatuwa nga, looking back, like we have known a lot and learned a lot from people from different mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Doc JJ, first things first, how has 2021 been so far? <laughs> the one week. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the first week. The first, the first few days. Um, well, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I'm very optimistic and uh, it's funny because back in 2019 when we were celebrating the new year 
2020. I was so optimistic. I said, this is going to be a great year for me. Personally, it's going to be a great year for the world. We're all going to do well. And I, I, was, I was probably quite off in my prediction because of all the things that happened. But, um, you know, I don't want to start off the, the show with a grim sort of, uh, you know, uh, reminder of what's happening. But I hate to say it, but we're still very, very deep in the trenches of this pandemic. And I got to mm -hmm. be honest with you, it's, it's not going well anywhere in the world right now. I mean, it's it's uh, save maybe New Zealand, but to be honest with you, the rest of the world is having some terrible numbers, and we're just not doing that great, you know, with mm -hmm. the new now. But I think that the resilience of of people who who are you know cooperating and doing the right thing, and um, the hope of the new um, vaccine, I think that's giving us a, a bit of a fresh outlook, and it should. But um, I hope that 2021 will help us sort of uplift ourselves out of this out of this um very big rut that we're in you know yeah yeah and so far so good so far so good you know i'm i'm hoping that it just continues to get better from here on in yeah and speak of the yeah. pandemic we actually look up to the frontline workers mm -hmm. the doctors the nurses the health workers and all that i know you're not in the emergency medicine anymore but from your perspective how is it or how does it feel being a doctor during this pandemic era yeah well you know um i spent the first decade of my medical career in the er which was phenomenal it was a great experience it's where i focused my specialty training in and i gotta be honest i mean when I see a lot of the things that are happening with the pandemic, I often think of my colleagues in the ER and the nurses and all the all this essential workers that help form the big team there, the big village, as it were. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm concerned because, you know, they sacrifice themselves in such an important way to help others. And the way that most of us who are not in that setting support them is by doing all the all the protective measures that we're taught to do. So. As a doctor here now, I still work frontline in my, my medical clinics. I, I still attend to my patients there. I do a, a large portion of my practice now with telehealth as well, like video conferencing and whatnot, which is very mm -hmm. helpful. There are a lot of people out there who are quite fearful to go see the doctor. They don't want to go to the clinics. Yeah. You know, they don't want to go out of their houses. So the only way to reach them is by phone or video or by Skype or FaceTime. So we've had to change our practice uh, as many primary care physicians and to change our way of accessing our patients you know so those are the types of things that i've had to deal with in the last year especially but um mm -hmm. gotta be honest with you i'm scared as well you know i'm i'm very fearful of catching covid and and having that infect uh you know my loved ones and it's it's scary so um i i tell you um you know i still i still feel that even as a physician working in the front line, we have to protect ourselves in every way that we mm -hmm. can. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I encourage you yeah. to do the same. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah for us. It's when we look at it, um, like how the doctors are dealing with it. It's kind of like really a tricky situation. Mm -hmm. But it's also impressive as well in terms of like how adjustments are being done in terms of like how the conventional way of doing treatments are now like you can do online services for checkups and mm -hmm. everything so we have the ways to adjust no, and work around it but speaking of being a doctor so for us non-doctors or in the non-medical professions we see being a doctor as a really a unique challenging profession so in your case has it 
has always been your dream to become a doctor? Like as a kid, would you always? <laughs> as a kid, a as a kid, you know, I, I didn't think much of it at a, at the time. I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I was uh, my my earliest memories were, you know, I was in Manila with my family um, visiting, and I would be uh, actually. I don't know if you guys remember this. You guys might be too young for this, but there was a show on TV called Uncle Bob's Lucky Seven. Have you heard of that? It's a no. kid's show. Okay, okay. No. So there's a, there's a media network called GMA in the Philippines, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the founder of that is a guy by the name of, I think his name was Bob. Oh, I, I can't remember the last name, but his name was Bob. Um, and he created that global media network. And one of his things was a Saturday TV show for kids. And I remember being on that show. <laughs> so, uh-huh. you know, nice. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, I'm going to be an actor. You know, I want to be a child actor. So I did a couple of commercials <laughs> in, in for Carnation Milk, I think it was in the Philippines. And you did? No. What? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid. Um, but, then, but then what happened was, I uh, unfortunately, one of the times we were... Uh, so she, she dragged me with her all the time, so back and forth to the Philippines. Um, and she's a Picolana, so we would sometimes stay in mm-hmm. house in Manila and we had a house in, in Naga City. So mm-hmm. my house in Manila, I had an accident there that actually, I don't know if you can see this um, on the video, but I have a large scar on my face, on my... On yeah. My right. Yeah, so that happened when I was in Manila when I was five years old. And it's, uh, and, and so... Um, I had to access uh, care and hospitalization for, you know, weeks and I had to have plastic surgery on my face and it was a nightmare, to be honest with you. So, mm-hmm. uh, so from then on, my mom said, you know, think about being a doctor one day and I said, no way, that's not for me. Because I'm like you, uh, uh, Red, I'm like you, so I said to myself, that's no way I'm going to do that. But you know what, believe it or not, as I went through university and I, I wanted to become a scientist, so mm-hmm. my background is in, uh, I, did, I majored in microbiology and immunology. Uh, funny enough, with the pandemic, that's my major. But um, I did the honors program at University of British Columbia, which is our big university here in Vancouver. And then I decided only in my third year that I would apply to medical. And I did, and I got in on my first try, so I was very happy. I was very happy. So I got in and then I became a physician. And that's a very rewarding career. So I didn't plan for it my whole life. But I definitely appreciated the importance of the work. And then I looked, finally, when I found out that I was able to do the studies and do the courses and actually go through it, then I decided I'm going to go for it. And that's what I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought wow. I was going to do acting, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Red and I, Red and I, we were, we were in acting in the university before. Yeah. Yeah. It's lots of fun. I mean, I love it. I think it's great to do for kids to do some sort of acting, dancing, or singing. It's great for their self confidence. I think it's great. I encourage yeah. my son all the time. Yeah. Well, I noticed, Dr. JJ, that you speak a little bit Tagalog. So, can you tell us about your, you know, Filipino background, how your family moved to Canada? Sure. sure. And how active are you in the Filipino community? Okay, well, um, my background is that my mom is Picolana um, from Naga City, like I mentioned before. She, uh, my father is actually from the Czech Republic, or back then it was called Czechoslovakia. So he was Czech, and then my mom is Filipino, so Ooh. I'm that way. And um, it's funny enough because my mom, when she, um, well, she was young, she went to, um, um, you know, her, her local schools and 
she went to college um, at um, San Juan de Jos, I think is where she went for her nursing. And then she was recruited to come to Canada because here in Canada, they had the Canada Health Act, which was, there was, they were, they were in need of Filipino nurses. So she came in 1966 to Canada, long time ago. And um, she was one of the first, they would consider them the pioneers actually, one of the first few batches of people that would come to Canada. And she came with a bunch of nurses, a plane load of nurses, and she started her career, sending money back home, just like many people do. You know, she, she was um, the eldest daughter of 14 kids in her family. You know, we're, uh, we're Balenciano, you know, we are, we like, <laughs> they're a big family there in Naga. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, she came to Canada. She met my father here, who also immigrated from uh, Czechoslovakia because there was, um, um, the tanks rolled in um, in in, um, in 67, I believe it was. And then he, he exiled the country and came to Canada, you know, as a refugee. And then they met here. Mm -hmm. And then they had me, you know, as a result. <laughs> But that's um, that's my mom's story, which is nice because she was in healthcare as well, you know. Um, so I, I regret to say that I didn't mention this to you guys before, but just um, this this Christmas, I was was a very heavy heart for me. Um, uh, my mom contracted COVID on the seventh of December. Oh. And she passed away on the seventeenth. So it was very it was a very difficult time for us because I truly believe she's like the bravest person that I know, you know? Like she she came here to start a life and to do well. And she did, she, she achieved what she wanted to do. And it's it's the, it's the story of many Filipinos, to be honest with you, to leave home, a place where you're comfortable, a place where you, um, you know, you're, it's your home, it, you know, it's a, it's a warm, loving place. To go to a faraway place and to start anew is, that's, that's one of the greatest senses of bravery that I could actually probably describe. So, yeah. yeah, so that's 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 her origin story here in Canada. And Canada is a wonderful country. It gives us all the opportunities we could ask for. I mean, I'm, I'm evidence of that. You know, I grew I grew up here under my mom's good grace. She gave us a wonderful uh, roof over our heads. Um, my father, unfortunately, he passed away when I was 11. So she raised me and my my auntie, my sister, um, who's three years older than me. She raised us on her own, essentially. And we grew up just, you know, working hard and my sister's an RN as well my mom's an RN so we're all in healthcare <laughs> yeah you know, and that's what that's our life we, we our life is a life of service you know so it's um it's uh it is one that I I celebrate very well because she loved the Filipino community she was very active very social my mom is she was you know five foot tall only you know but she <laughs> wore three inch heels and and she had big hair and she was a big personality <clears throat> always grabbing the microphone you know always the life of the party cooks for everyone you know she's just the the archetypal filipino woman in my mind you know yeah. like that's so 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 that was our that was her her coming into canada and raising us here in this nice environment right that was that's that's how uh, you know we came to be really and truly yeah. yeah and then she sponsored her brothers and sisters who came and then out of the 14 i think 11 of them are abroad now like we have a bunch of um her brother and sisters in the U.S., a bunch here in Canada. I think one's still in Saudi, and then maybe three—three three of them are still at home in the Philippines, doing well too. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, hundred percent. So, wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. Dr. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't tell you guys about that. I didn't want to bring it up, but it's, it almost compels me <laughs> to bring it up because 
you know, that's the story and I want to be authentic. Yeah, yeah. That's what's going on, right? So, yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah my mom is very good hero. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she really is. She really is. They asked me one time when I was interviewing for med school, they asked me, you know, who are you, who's your hero? Uh, and then, you know, like, who do you look up to? Who's a role model to you? And, you know, I'm sure everyone said, you know, great scientists or, or famous people. God knows what their answer were. But my answer was very immediate and very quick. It was my mom. She really was the type of person to sacrifice and to guide us in a good way. She was very tough, though. She was a tough yeah. mom. But I can see now the value of that. As I'm a parent now, I have a, a seven-year-old and an 11-year-old, two boys. And parent them, I mean, I'm going back to my old school Filipino values, believe it or not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, my mom's also Bicolana. Do you like lying? My mom cooks great. Sure, no, lying to school. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, Super or um, you know, Bicol Express. Or actually, ang 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 gusto my ang favorite ko actually is Bopis. But I don't know. Bopis, I love Bopis. Yeah, Bopis is my number one favorite. But I th I thought that was Ilocano. No, I don't think so, yeah, maybe. 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 Yeah. But I, Spicy bobbies. I like the food that I eat. You know, yeah. I love that the yeah. most. I want to make yeah. sure I'm sweating when I eat, you know? All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, moving forward, JJ, uh, we're very interested. This is a question that we always ask our guests. Like, can you tell us your challenges um, being a Filipino doctor? Canada. Is it any different? Do you know, how did you get, and also how did you get to aesthetic medicine? Okay, well, let me answer the first question. The first question is about challenges. I mean, to be honest with you, there's a lot of challenges in being a physician in general, but in, specifically with regards to the Filipino community, uh, you know, there exists a very, um, a very visible gap sometimes in our generations. So I alluded to this earlier when I said that we have oftentimes old Filipino values, you know? Filipinos that I know, the old school Filipinos, very religious, very pious, very idealistic, they stick to rules, they love to, you know, stick to old school type of thinking. The new generation of kids and people coming up in the next generation here, they're not so used to that here in North America. Maybe in the Philippines they are. And I know that parents try their best to bestow those lessons to their kids. But I find in my clinical practice, I see kids don't value that at all. And then parents that do, and then they clash, right? So marrying the two types of thinking has been one of my challenges, you know? Trying to tell, you know, young people that your parents care about you, they're, they're asking you to do these things for a reason, or perhaps they're involved in your business because they care about you, but at the same time, I have also that the old school Filipino mentality let them know that things are different, things are new, this way people think nowadays, is, uh, some things that are, weren't socially acceptable in the past are now. Those are the things. So I have to deal with each generation individually and somehow find a common ground between the two so that I can continue good good care, you know, and, and build rapport and have them come back and have them trust me. So those are important things. So that's one of the challenges. <laughs> but that's a yeah. good example of a challenge that I, I faced with from time to time, and maybe even every day, to be honest with you. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, just just imagine yourself some some of the some of the young people that you know and how they are now, you know, TikTok, Instagram, all this social media stuff. And then an old school 
parent or an old school grandparent who doesn't know any of that, you know, and try to find common ground between the two. Sometimes it's challenging, you know, it is. So, mm -hmm. For sure. How did how did you get into a aesthetic medicine? I think so aesthetic medicine, that's, that's interesting. When I told you about my accident early on in my childhood, that's mm -hmm. what got me plastic surgery. But I grew up actually as the school artist, like the class artist. I would always draw. I did graffiti. I did like lots of um, graphic art. In fact, my whole my whole career was shaping towards becoming a graphic artist. I got a really great scholarship at one of the art schools here in town. I was asked to do some some uh, painting for an animation company in California. At one point, I was really into it, and I actually do illustrations for medical textbooks and medical journals. So my whole life was around art. But then I decided, you know what? One of the branches of medicine that actually involves itself in art and and um, ratios and perfection and and a lot of clinical skill was actually plastic surgery. And when I took the rotations through medical school and residency, I loved plastic surgery. It was so fun. I enjoyed myself so much during those rotations. I made such great friends with the plastic surgeons. They were so great at instructing me because I was really into it. The only thing I didn't like was the terrible schedule. It, it, it said it wasn't for me. I plan to have a family. I want to have a flexible schedule. Plastic surgery, unfortunately, the way it is here in Canada, we have the, we, we deal with the burns, we deal with hands, and we deal with uh, regular aesthetic plastic surgery and whatnot. It just wasn't for me. I just decided, you know what? I don't want to be a surgeon. I want to be um, a frontline guy, like an ER guy or a family med guy. But I still carried those skills and I told myself at some point in my future, I can always go back to that in my clinical practice by doing some cosmetic medicine, uh, laser, you know, dermal um, medicine, all that kind of stuff. So I came full circle with that idea in recent years. That's mm -hmm. why I went. Yeah, That's yeah. very interesting. At least all those skills are still intact, no? so you can... Yeah, and as a, as a general practitioner, yeah. you decide to keep yeah. those things in your yeah. practice if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very flexible career, to be honest with you. Can do a lot but with a good foundation really yeah yeah that's really good um in terms of like the idea of this i think we still have this stereotype right now in which a lot of filipinos are um viewed as mostly nurses i mean we can't blame the world because philippines is still the number one exporter of nurse professionals yeah that's, that's definitely what can you say about that idea you know what i mean the stereotype exists because it's partially true. I got to be honest with you. There's a there's a large proportion of nurses um, in the world that are Filipino heritage, for sure. I mean, actually, it was a blessing of mine because when I was a resident, a young resident here at the hospital, medical student, um, the nurses doesn't matter if they're Filipino or not. They saved my butt every day because they would oh, teach me wow. things. They would take me under their wing. They would help me, especially if I was the only yeah. doctor board. You know, they would tell me like all these things, uh, you know, all the, all, the, all the very important things to know. So nurses were actually a very instrumental part in my clinical learning. In fact, maybe more so than, than many doctors, to be honest with you. So I, it was, it's a blessing, number one. But to answer your question, it's because I think in the Philippines, there's an emphasis on schools. I mean, we have wonderful um, postgraduate uh, education um, established for nurses in the Philippines. And you know, yeah. for... And, and, and Filipinos, I mean, our number one export is is people. Like we, that's the number one thing in the Philippines that, that it's our, our ambassadors to the world, basically. And Filipinos, I think, are genuinely quite caring, to be honest with you. I can say that after a lifetime of seeing many different cultures and many different people, but many Filipinos I know are very caring individuals and it's actually a well-suited profession for a lot of people. So 
the result, I, I, I can go to any hospital in the country. And I've been to many hospitals in the country. I can always find Filipino nurses, 100%. Because I go, yeah. because I need to go, I go where the food is, you know? So I have to follow them yeah. because they be invited to their house. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. That's, so you know what? I, 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 I got to be honest with you. When I get to, when I'm in different cities around Canada and I meet different people, it's wonderful to connect with the nurses because they are the ones who will say, they'll give you the lowdown on the whole place. They'll tell you everything about the city, everything about the hospital, everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. and, but you'll have to, you can have a party with them too. And have yeah. some, and share some memories. So um, I hope I answered that question. I don't know. Um, yeah, you this, did. It's actually a great answer. It gives like, um, very positive, um, very positive view towards nurses. Oh, yeah. And yeah. not about the profession in itself, but also how they can really be helpful yeah. for you. In yeah. And you yeah, they're very altruistic, to be honest with you. And um, sure, they can be tough like any any professional can be tough. But that's just to test who you are. They can be tough at first, but then once they see that you're interested or helpful, or even just basic things like you're caring or you're conscientious, they will you, they will take you in like family, really and truly. Mm -hmm. Really and truly, you just have to show yeah. interest and ambition, and not ambition. You have to show interest and and uh, interest, and uh, you know uh, the will to work. You know the will to put in your your due effort. You know that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Doctor JJ, um, we couldn't really talk about you as a whole without asking this question because this is part of who you are. Uh -oh. So, can you can you tell us how you? got into collecting expensive cars and <laughs> cool experience uh, about cars <laughs> uh yeah you know what cars it's funny because people know me for cars and they they i mean i mean i have followers on instagram and whatnot because of cars um but to be honest with you i mean i like cars a lot for sure but it really only happened to be in the last few years that i really got into building exotic cars because I never I never had the finances to do it in the past, to be honest with you. And you don't, you don't really need a lot of finances to do great builds, to be honest with you. You can build any car uh, that does, doesn't have to be an expensive car. It could be uh, an inexpensive car, but the effort and the design and putting together the whole build, as it were, that's where the real talent lies. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. I followed on the coattails of a lot of great Filipino um, inspirations when it comes to the car mm -hmm. world because Filipinos um, the ones that I know in the car world anyways they're, they're quite innovative they're quite um, they use a lot of imagination they're very skilled so building cars requires you know oftentimes you need to you know very many modalities like bodywork paintwork electrical you know interior like leather and cloth you know work and uh, woodwork stereo systems and all this stuff so you have to be a very talented person and, and a lot of the talented folks that I've come across in the car industry in Filipinos to be honest with you and then mm -hmm. a lot of newer guys right now who are doing the renderings and design I look at the field they're filled with great skilled Filipinos you know so I, I love that and you know what watching them do their thing inspired me to become a perfectionist when it came to the cars and then of course I'm already artistic to begin with to be honest with you I'm not I don't want to toot my own horn but I feel like I'm artistic I like I can, I can you know um, have an eye for what I think looks good and what I think others may enjoy and I, I put all of those into my builds. So once I had a bit of money, which was, you know, 
maybe in my, in my like mid mid thirties, that I decided, you know, I'm gonna buy myself a car because I never had fancy cars growing up at all. But mm-hmm. I bought a car, and then that was my that was a car that I thought was expensive at the time. It was a Nissan GTR, brand new. I bought it for myself, rewarded myself. I asked my wife at the time. I said. I don't normally buy cars, but I want to buy a car. She's like, go for it. She goes, you deserve it. You know, go get a car. But then I started modifying it little by little and then it became viral. And that's how I started with the whole uh, modified car. And then I bought, you know, a Ferrari, another Ferrari. I bought um, a couple of NSXs, Jeeps, uh, and all these other things, you know, like. Wow. So it became uh, a snowball. Then I actually grew a business out of that too, because the companies in Japan, and the rest of the world that were making the parts for these cars, they started approaching me and saying, hey, let's work on a build together for next year's big show in Las Vegas. Or let's do some, let's build a, a, a project that we can take around uh, North America for car shows to display our parts. So, you know, I started partnering up with those guys. Now I actually had to, I was pretty much forced to start my own automotive parts wholesaler business because now I'm connected with them and I, I can help other people around the country with their builds and my advice. and. You know, so it actually snowballed into a wonderful uh, hobby that turned into a business, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, JJ, we're, we're actually um, near the end of our show, so we're okay. going to do a little fun uh, segment okay. for you. Okay, let's so do it. We, we know that patients always have ridiculous questions to doctors, so oh we're going to throw you some of these questions and let's see how you respond to them. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. So I'll start first, first, and then Red, and then Royce. Is there a, yeah, is there a pill to have a baby girl or baby boy? Oh my God! Yes, there is. Of course, there is a pill (laughs) to have a baby boy. It's a blue pill called Viagra. (laughs) But I don't. But that's just joking, joking. I just want to say that you know what? It's funny because. You joke about it, but let me tell you, I have been asked that question before. Really? <laughs> and you know, there's yeah. so many myths, you know, turning yourself upside down, doing this and that. Oh my God. So I say to myself, you know what? Thank God for a healthy baby, no matter what sex. That's what yeah. I say. That's what I say to those patients. Right. <laughs> okay. Second question. Doctor, why is your handwriting so bad? Is this on purpose? Oh man, you cannot ask me that question, Red, because I have the best handwriting of any doctor or nurse on the planet. Oh, okay. So uh, you're an exception. <laughs> listen, my grade three teacher, Mrs. Rollheiser, God bless her soul. I hope I don't I don't know if she's alive or, or still with us, but she taught me how to do cursive handwriting. And I swear, my whole career, I've been I've been complimented by pharmacists, by other doctors, by patients. They say, "Gosh, doctor, I can read your handwriting. This is beautiful." So you can't ask me that question, Red. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to the next question then. So, doctor, how accurate is Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy, the textbook, or Grey's Anatomy, the TV show? The TV oh, show. Oh, that is perfectly accurate. Oh, my God. <laughs> such an accurate show. The romance. The, the romance alone is so accurate. Oh, my God. <laughs> doctor McDreamy and all that stuff. So true. All the worst stuff you see on those drama shows does happen in real life. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> very, very good answer. <laughs> okay, so let's do it. Let's do this quickly. Code time. Okay. Our code for today comes from um, unknown. And that means code unknown. No. 
So, ano? Not all heroes wear cake. The real heroes wear cake. Diba? Ang ganda. Yeah. Ganda. ganda. Wear scrubs. Ganda. Yeah. Very Any cool. shout outs, guys? Before we thank Dr. No shout outs. We have one. <laughs> okay. Um, please follow and DM us on our social media accounts Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, search us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And Gmail, ihawiosho at gmail.com. Yes, and you can also follow Dr. JJ Dugan in um, Instagram and Facebook. We'll just um, me- uh, put in our episode description the handle. Yeah, that right? so This has been your yeah. Okay, so this has been your Iyaw Iyaw show with Jill Red and Rose with our special guest Dr. <laughs> JJ Dubek. Yes, thanks for all your support, and please join in us in the next episode. So. We have the second part of the Filipino doctors yeah. actually coming in. So thank you guys. Stay safe and stay healthy. This is your email. No so thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you so much for Sorry for the abrupt ending. <laughs> <laughs>